Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to the Roto World Baseball Podcast. I'm DJ Short. And this is our regular weekly episode. I'm sure you've been hopefully listening to our team check-in episodes, but this is our regular episode as as we approach opening day, more of a fantasy-centric kind of episode, kind of going through headlines and also getting into some player rankings as we get into fantasy drafts. And in order to do that, I'm joined here by Drew Silva. Drew, how are you, sir? What's up, DJ? Um, yeah, we're, we're about to finish up our team check-in episodes. We did 30 of them. You did most of them, but um, I, I just posted my Pirates one, and I've I've got the Indians next week. I think what you have two or three more. Yeah, I have three um, more. I have the Braves and the Rangers and the Cubs. I'm saving for last. Hopefully, we'll see how the schedule works out. Yeah. But. So the Indians will will be my last one. So we'll have the two World Series teams from last year as our final team check ins and. Yeah, I hope people have been enjoying that. How did you enjoy the uh, World Baseball Classic final on Wednesday night? You know, I think it, I mean, the performance by Marcus Stroman was awesome, but I think the tournament deserved a better finale. At least I was hoping for a tighter game than what we saw. Sort of more more compelling in the late innings, which we kind of saw at various points in, in the tournament. Uh, so I was kind of hoping for that, but I mean, great performance. So I can't, I can't hate on it that much. USA, USA, yes, USA. <laughs> Ian Kinsler almost made it hard, but you know it was fine. Yeah. It all worked yeah, out. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, but now that it's over, it means opening day is not far off. Uh, just a little over a week away now, which is crazy to think about. But I can't wait for regular season baseball to get here. Yeah, man. I mean, the spring training is a grind. I think for both of us with what we do. It, it, it always just like leaves me a bit scatterbrained because once we get into the regular season, you kind of get into a flow. You're just in you a, know. But you're in a bubble for you know six months, basically, right. once yeah, the regular exactly. season and, starts. And just like tracking things that don't matter a lot of times, like minor injuries, it gets a little – it TV just gets is. a little annoying. And then we've – you know, we're putting out the draft guide and we have different things that need updating. So I just – I feel a bit scatterbrained throughout spring training. And mm-hmm. once we get into the regular season, I have more of like a – a regimen, I would say. Well, I'm glad you brought up the draft guide uh, because this weekend is prime fantasy draft time. And if you need to do some last minute prep, you need to go to rotoworld.com and get the Roto World Baseball draft guide. 
This thing is jam-packed with everything you need to get ready for your fantasy draft. Over 1,000 player profiles and projections, positional tiers, columns on sleepers, busts, prospects. There's also average draft position data, which is really useful, mock draft analysis on various formats, and much, much more. So go to rotoworlds.com to get prepared today. Sorry, I had to get that plug in. Uh, Okay, so we're going to dig into some headlines now before getting into these rankings, and we're going to start with some bullpen notes. I think we all expected the Nationals would add a closer over the winter, a big name, Uh, especially after Mark Melanson signed a deal with the Giants. We saw them connected to various big names, including David Robertson with the White Sox. I'm still surprised that didn't happen, Uh, Mm. but now it looks like they're going to go with an in-house option, and... While most speculated at the start of camp that Sean Kelly would be at the top of the depth chart if they did go in-house, it actually looks like it's going to be Coda Glover. And if you haven't heard of Coda Glover, you're probably not alone. I don't think a lot of people have yet. But Glover's been regularly getting work in the ninth inning this spring, which isn't necessarily the best test. That's usually when the big-name players are out of the game. But that's how Dusty Baker is deciding to test him uh, in the ninth inning late in games and Earlier this week, he told the Washington Post that they think he eventually has the stuff to close, but right now they're just trying to decide, is he ready or not? Um, 11 strikeouts, one walk in eight innings this spring, uh, 1-1-3 ERA. Obviously, those numbers come with a caveat given the competition that he's facing in the ninth inning at those point in games. Um, But he's an interesting guy, a guy who made it all the way from high A to the majors last season. I think you can kind of throw out his rookie numbers last year, 503 ERA and 19 appearances. Doesn't really tell us much, uh, but you look at the minor league numbers. 209 ERA, almost 11 strikeouts per nine innings, under two walks per nine innings. Throws hard, fastball slider guy. Uh, seems like he has all the makings of a closer, um, but I think it's, with him it's just really hard to say how effective he could be in that role until he faces some better hitters and does it consistently. Yeah. Glover an eighth round pick in 2015 out of Oklahoma state shot through the nationals minor league system. Um, there's a, there's a lot of fantasy upside there because the nationals are one of the best teams in baseball. And, you know, as, as recently as a couple days ago, Glover's average draft position in Yahoo leagues was up near 250. Um, so, you know, it, it came as a surprise to me. I thought Sean Kelly was a pretty good fit because he's been a, a pretty good reliever for a long time now, but there are durability issues with him. He acted kind of as a right-handed specialist in 2016. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, never like, n- never assume anything with Dusty Baker, I would say. Except that he wants a speedy guy at the top of the lineup. That's true. You can, you can assume <laughs> that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's super interesting. Um, but yeah, it's, it's sort of a high risk, high reward possibility. But he's a guy you can get late. Um, but it's also a situation where if he stumbles a little bit, maybe the Nationals have gone to Sean Kelly. Maybe uh, a couple months into the season, they'll trade for David Robertson. Heck, maybe they'll trade for David Robertson next week. We just we just don't know. Um, so that's sort of the risk uh, with that situation. But I think based on uh, his stuff and the numbers we saw in the minors, we shouldn't discount the possibility that he could just run away with this job. I, I maintain the closer report in, in our draft guide, and the national situation has been one that I've had to update quite a bit, and the red situation is one that I've had to update quite a bit. Um, let's just get into that right now. Uh, sure. Rysel Iglesias 
finished the 2016 at closer for the Reds and had a really good year overall, especially in relief, but also as a starter. And to me, it looked like he was going to be the front runner for saves this year. The Reds confirmed early on this winter that he'd be staying in the bullpen and not, you know, they wouldn't try him again as a starter, at least, at least in 2017. But manager Brian Price stated in December, actually at the winter meetings, that he was planning on using a matchups-based approach to the 7th, 8th, and ninth innings this year. And then on Thursday, we got word that Iglesias injured his right elbow and hit when he fell in the shower three weeks ago. So that really opened the door for Price to implement that closer-by-committee plan, which I think more teams should do because it's smart. But obviously, it could be the source of frustration for fantasy owners, especially those who have already drafted Iglesias. Yeah, not um, ideal. Right. Iglesias had an MRI this week that showed no structural damage in his elbow. And it sounds like this might just be a bruise, but he hasn't pitched in a Cactus League game since March 14th. And I think we can call him doubtful for opening day at this point, considering it's you know 10 days away. Um if not for a, a really bad appearance on the final day of the 2016 season, Iglesias would have had a 1.29 ERA and 49 innings as a reliever last year. And even with that outing in which he allowed four runs and I think got just one out, his ERA as a reliever was 1.98 with a good strikeout rate, more than a strikeout per inning. Um, you know, but yeah, I guess we could see Michael Lorenzen, Tony Singrani, and Drew Storen getting saved throughout the year in Cincinnati, definitely out of the gate. I think Iglesias is still the guy to draft, but I'd probably pick a lot of other relievers over him, guys who I know are going to get saves. Yeah, I was I was targeting Iglesias in early drafts uh, this too. spring, but I, I don't even know if I've ended up with him yet, and now I'm sort of okay with it. Um, he's had his own you know injury concerns even before this, Um I'm not sure, you know, Storen's the big name in this bullpen, the more established name. Mm. I haven't had a chance to watch him this spring. Um, if someone has, feel free to let me know. But his velocity was down last year, and the, the swinging strike rate was down. So not a lot to get excited about other than the really familiar name. Um, so Lorenzen's probably the bigger upside guy at this point if you want to speculate. I think the Reds are probably going to be the worst team in baseball. There's too. that too. There's that yeah. as well. <laughs> like the pitching staff is a disaster. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Scott, Feld- Scott Feldman opening day starter says it all. So, I mean, Brian Price wants to play the matchups in, in like the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings, but they're going to be down like six runs by the time he gets to play the matchups. That's true. But he but, can still but, play him. He can still play him. It'll that's keep, true. That'll keep him to- busy. <laughs> yeah. Um, moving on to someone we've been waiting on for a while, and that's Michael Brantley. Um, missed all of last season after shoulder surgery, encountered setbacks, and required a pair of follow-up procedures. Came to spring training as a huge question mark, and I guess he still is, but he's making progress. Uh, made his Cactus League debut on Monday. Uh, I believe he played left field. Uh, went two for three with an RBI single and a run scored. Played again on Wednesday, had another hit. He was scheduled to play again Thursday. We're recording this Thursday afternoon. Now, while he's trending in the right direction, the Indians don't see it as a must that he's in the lineup on opening day. Indians manager Terry Francona told Ryan Lewis of the Akron Beacon Journal today that as long as he's healthy, we're in good shape. That's kind of how I've been looking at it. He's come so far that opening day, in my opinion, is not the finish line for him. I know it's something everybody shoots for, and I get it, but as long as he maintains his health and feels good, 
we're all going to be happy. So this isn't a situation where if you draft him, you're expecting him to be in the lineup on opening day, but I think there's some upside with him, given what we've what we've seen from him in the past. I think maybe a little bit later in this episode when we talk about outfielders, I'll get into it a little bit more. Um, but I think I'm willing to maybe move him up a little bit on my board, at least in comparison with how I felt about him going into spring training. Yeah, I mean, I am too. It's kind of the same situation. I don't know, the, I don't know that situation just feels familiar with him. You know, obviously, a, a really good player two, three years ago, finished third in the MVP voting in 2014 with, you know, 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases. But I just, I don't know. It's hard to trust that the whole body, let alone the shoulder, is is going to be reliable this year. Yep, that, that's definitely fair. Um, my next headline would be uh, the White Sox signing Tim Anderson to a six-year, $25 million contract extension. This was announced on Tuesday of this week. There are options on the deal that could push it into 2024. It's the largest contract ever for a player with less than one full year of service time, though it could turn into a pretty team-friendly deal if Anderson continues to develop develop on his current pace. The reality is, with that largest contract ever, is that these deals are pretty rare. Uh, the Rays have done a few of them, but you need a certain level of commitment from the player and his agent matched with a commitment from the team. Anderson spoke glowingly about living in Chicago, especially the South Side, during his press conference on Tuesday. Um, you know, just just really likes it there, likes the organization. Uh, he came up last June and went on to bat 283 with a 738 OPS, nine home runs, and 10 stolen bases over his first 99 major league games. And he rated really well defensively at shortstop, was worth 2.8 wins above replacement in those 99 games, according to baseballreference.com's formula. He's batting 326 with an 814 OPS this spring in the Cactus, in the Cactus League. Um, his average draft position in Yahoo Leagues is 215.2, with an average round of 21.9, which makes me think the casual fantasy baseball player might not like know a ton about him or believe that he's going to take another step. And, and I think he could, um, he figures to get a lot of starts at lead off, at least out of the gate with the white Sox. I think there's a lot to like here. I mean, there, are, there's a big, been this huge influx of young talent at the shortstop position, um, in, and at second base a little bit. Uh, so I think he's kind of being swept under the rug, but if, if he takes another step forward and I think the white Sox think that he will, he could be really valuable in a, power-friendly ballpark. Yeah, I think we haven't seen his full potential yet from a speed perspective, Um, Mm -hmm. but his plate discipline is really poor, really bad. Uh, So I think that I don't have the strikeout-to-walk ratio in front of me, but it's, it's ridiculous. It's like the opposite of when you know when you go to Barry Bonds' baseball reference page and you're like, wow. Yeah. Go go to Tim Anderson's baseball reference page and look at his strikeout-to-walk ratio. It's it's ridiculous. So you're um, saying he's not, he's not going to stick at leadoff? I don't think he will. I don't think he will either. You know, but. for the White Sox, like, does it matter? You know, yeah. like this year, I don't. You know, they're rebuilding. I mean, they still have some good pieces they could trade. I think they're for a rebuilding team. They're almost too good in a way. It's weird. Um, but, There's a lot of talent there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they're yeah. I think these. I think we're going to see more pieces get traded uh, that they have. Uh, Jose Quintana. You know, guys like that. Todd um, Frazier. Yeah. Todd Frazier, yep. Uh, Melky Cabrera. I mean, 
David Robertson, Jose Abreu. I mean, tons of guys yeah. they could trade. Um, but yeah, I mean, if they're rebuilding, I think they can afford to give him as many at bats as they want. You know what I mean? Like it, it doesn't really matter. And, and hopefully he'll evolve and improve his plate discipline. But that's the weakness of his game right now. And that kind of holds him back from some of the other young shortstops who, um, you know, have a more established uh, sort of approach. Um, but yeah, I definitely think there's upside here, especially in the stolen base department. So um, late rounds, I think he's a fine choice. So yeah, yeah, you got one of those middle infield spots. He's a, I think he's a good upside pick, yes. especially if you're getting him in the 21st, 22nd round. Yeah, I'm, I dig it. I like it. Um, anything else you got? Uh, JD Martinez left Tigers camp in a boot on Thursday afternoon and caught a plane to Charlotte, North Carolina, where he'll have his sprained right foot examined by Dr. Robert Anderson, who's a specialist in foot surgeries. There's a CT scan scheduled. The Tigers have already run an MRI, but aren't revealing the results yet, which made, which makes you think it probably wasn't very good. Um, Martinez is entering a contract year and, Tigers GM Alavila suddenly looks like a fortune teller by shooting down any extension talks with a 29-year-old outfielder. Uh, So we're we're waiting on what this specialist says. I would just completely avoid him in fantasy drafts until we get more info. Uh, But that info should come this weekend, which is really the big weekend for fantasy baseball drafts. At last check, his average draft position in Yahoo Leagues was around 43 um, I don't, I don't know what you do with him right now. Probably maybe you take a chance on him like in the middle rounds, but I wouldn't feel too comfortable. You know, a foot injury can, can cost a guy six months or more. Yeah. I mean, I hope we hear something a little more definitive in the next 24 hours and that's possible, I guess. But yeah, in the short term, I'm, I would probably avoid him, uh, just because there is that uncertainty. We know what he's capable of when he's healthy, but we just don't know when he's going to play again. So that makes it really difficult going into uh, drafts this weekend. Uh, one quick thing before we get into the rankings. Greg Bird uh, has officially been named the starting first baseman for the Yankees. Really no surprise at this point, but there were some questions coming into the spring. Bird missed all of last season after labrum surgery, shoulder surgery. Uh, the Yankees signed Chris Bird just before the start of spring training. So, Chris if, Carter. Did, he said Chris Bird. Did I? Okay. Chris <laughs> Carter. <laughs> uh, just before the start of spring training. So if Bird struggled this spring, you could maybe see that he would spend some time in the minors uh, just to get back up to speed. Um, it's not a crazy scenario to think that was possible, but... Uh, he's rendered all that moot. 439 this spring he's hitting. Uh, six homers, 1584 OPS over 17 games. So yeah, just video game-like numbers. Uh, so he's Gary start- Sanchez numbers. Yeah. So he's certainly earned that job. The question is, like, what is realistic for him this season? Yankee Stadium, obviously a great setting for a lefty swinging slugger. I mean, if... Is he going to bat fifth, you think, like behind Gary Sanchez and Matt Holliday slash Chris Carter? That's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I, Aaron Judge is in there, too. There's probably, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, and where does Ellsbury end up hitting? Yeah. Um, but, I I mean, like, I, I might, if I was writing out their lineup right now, I think I would have Bird fifth. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly the opportunity is there yeah. for him. Um, I worry about the strikeout rate a little bit. We saw that during his first stint in the majors in 2015. Uh, we also we saw the power, but we also saw the strikeouts. Um, 
So not sure about the batting average upside. I kind of see him as maybe two, you know, 250. If you hit 250, you'd probably be happy with that. But, you know, potentially with 30 homers, um, 30 homers maybe isn't what it was a couple of years ago. Uh, so I'm not sure I'm reaching for him at first base after, you know, before more proven options. But he's certainly inside the top 20 at the position. And he was outside my top 20 at first base going into spring training. So he's definitely improved his stock. Yeah, same for me. Um, okay, let's get to the rankings. And uh, what do you want to start with? Uh, starting pitchers or outfielders? Let's let's get into starting pitchers. All right. Um, for no for no real reason no at all. No real reason. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'll read. We're not going to go. We we ranked our top sixty starters. This was way back earlier this month. We're not going to read sixty names to you right now, but. Uh, I am. I think that'd be pretty good radio or, <laughs> or podcast audio. Uh, yes, we know how to entertain the people. Um, but I'm going to read off just my top 10 starters. That's much easier. And we still have our top 60 here. So we're each going to maybe talk about a, you know, a couple of guys further down the list um, before moving on to outfielders. So uh, my number one starter is Clayton Kershaw. Uh, number two for me this year is Noah Syndergaard. Uh, number three, Max Scherzer, especially now that I know that finger is healed. Uh, Madison Bumgarner, number four. Number five, Chris Sale. Number six, Hugh Darvish, who I'm all in on this year. Uh, Corey Kluber, number seven. Jake Arrieta, number eight. John Lester, number nine. And someone who's risen in my rankings this spring, I have Jacob deGrom, number 10. So we have the same names except DeGrom. I have Cueto, 10th. Okay. Um, and then at the top, I have Scherzer, 2nd, and Syndergaard, 4th. Though I, I, all those four t- guys at the top, I think, are like in a – well, Kershaw is a clear number one. But between Scherzer, Bumgarner, and Syndergaard, I, I, I would have trouble differentiating. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, uh, think, I think that's definitely fair. I, I mean, I would feel great if I had any of them on my team. Yeah. So, yeah. I feel like with with starters, it's it's kind of like if you're if you're going to pick one in the in the top two rounds, you're expecting 200 strikeouts, you're expecting an ERA under three, you know, and and something close to 15 wins, even though you know wins are hard to count on. Uh, that's just kind of what you expect from those guys if you're going to spend spend a pick that high. And I I don't like have one strategy or another that I use in a draft. I, I don't know if you do. Like I I. I have not gotten Kershaw on a draft in years. It feels like, cause I don't like to use a first round pick on a pitcher, but I, I mean, there've been a lot of drafts this year where I've drafted Bumgarner or Syndergaard in the near the middle or the end of the second round. I, I've been waiting on Scherzer because of the finger injury, but now that he's throwing normally with two fingers instead of three fingers on his fastball, I, I feel pretty good about keeping him at second. Yeah. I think the big question about Noah Syndergaard this year is how many innings he's going to throw. Um, he threw 183 and two thirds innings last year. So is he going to get to that 200 mark? You'd assume so. Um, but that's, you know, when you compare him to Kershaw and Scherzer and Baumgartner, of course, they're just workhorses. Um, but I think on an inning basis, uh, per inning basis, I think Syndergaard can hang with those guys. And, you know, in strikeout percentage, he had a 260 ERA last season. So I think he's he's ready to make that leap um, potentially and into the best pitcher not named Clayton Kershaw. Um, so I, I'm willing to take a shot on Syndergaard this year. Um, it's an aggressive ranking, but I think he deserves it. He's a monster. I, I don't think 
it's I think yeah I mean there's a clear argument to make that he could be the second best pitcher in baseball this year mm-hmm. um, at least from a fantasy standpoint yep um, I, I like that you had you had you Darvish sixth you said yep yeah I mean I, I like that I'm all in on Darvish too I had him ninth I wish I was you know had a little more courage to rank him ahead of a guy like Jake Arietta who I think has some red flags with with the walks last year mm-hmm. um, and the way he kind of struggled down the stretch. And then Chris Sale, I, I think you're going to see the ERA probably rise a bit, you know, pitching in the AL East and, and at Fenway. Um, but, yeah, I mean, ours are pretty similar. I, Johnny Cueto, you know, missed the early part of Giants camp because his his father was ill. Or was it his grandfather? I think it was Either his way, father. Yeah, his dad was ill. Um, but, you know, I, I feel pretty confident having him in my top ten. Every time I, I want to count him out, he puts up 200 innings with, you know, really good rate stats. Yeah, he's not going to blow you away with strikeouts, but um, the rate stats are there. He's in a great park. He's in the National League, so those are all positives. Um, I think going into the spring, I had Degrom 13th, um, but just watching him this spring, of course, he had elbow surgery late last year, but he looks great. He looks really good. 293 ERA, 17-2 to strikeout-to-walk ratio in 15 and a third innings this spring. He's throwing comfortably in the mid-90s. And if you remember pretty much exactly a year ago, everybody was panicking over his velocity. Uh, but it's back now, and he looks really good. Um, we know what he was prior to the elbow situation. So, uh, again, another pitcher in the NL, in the NL East, in a pretty good park. Uh, it's a little more hitter-friendly now, but still a good place to pitch. Um, so yeah, I like him 10th. I saw today, today being Thursday that the Cubs announced their, um, opening day rotation or their first week rotation and Kyle Hendricks is going to be their fifth starter. <laughs> um, there's probably like some kind of scheduling quirk to that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm, I think Madden definitely wanted Lester Arietta and, and lackey in his opening series, but then he's going to go with Brett Anderson in their fourth game and, and Hendricks fifth, I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, he he led all of the major all of the major leagues last year in ERA. Right. Um, and I think I, I don't know, like in in our Roto World rankings, which are done by Matthew Pouliot, Hendricks is pretty high. I had him fifteenth overall in the pitchers. Um, I had him sixteenth. Okay, yeah, I had Degrom sixteenth, your boy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like I th- I found that interesting. It's the first week is usually kind of weird because you have some weird off days, and I'm sure that that had more to do with it than anything. And mm-hmm. obviously, the Cubs have a lot of good pitching talent, but that's probably something we should have noted in our headlines: is that Brett Anderson made the Cubs rotation, and Mike Montgomery's going to pitch out of the bullpen. That's, I, I always figured that's the way it would go, yeah. but I mean, how long is Brett Anderson going to be pitching for the Cubs before he's on the disabled list? Um, yeah, that, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, based on history, probably not long, but I mean, you know, we've seen what he's capable of doing when he's healthy. He could be, you know, it's a decent flyer for the Cubs to take, but I wouldn't give up on Montgomery being an asset this year if you drafted him in a deep league. Um Carlos Carrasco is interesting. Uh, yeah. Going into the spring, I had him ranked 11th. Um, but, of course, he had like a, a really terrible outing. I think it was two weeks ago, week and a half ago. Um, then had some swelling in his elbow. It doesn't seem like it's a big deal. But I think, if anything, um, this issue sort of just shined a light on his health in recent years and that he's never really had a big workload before. Um, so, at this point, I have him... 
down to 16th in my ranking. So he's slipped about five spots. Yeah, I had him 12th initially. Um, and I didn't, I didn't re-rank my list. Uh, I just, I just put a note that I wanted to drop him. That's good. Um, I, I might That'll just do. Av- avoid him. Like, yeah, really, really good work ethic, Drew. Uh, but <laughs> you know, you know, I, I really like Carlos Carrasco. I mean, the numbers are there when he's healthy. But yeah, I think, I mean, he's topped 140 innings once, I believe, in his major league career. Um, and you know, this elbow issue doesn't seem like it's a big deal right now, but it also seems like something that might linger. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of scared of him. I, I would take a guy like Justin Verlander over him. For sure. Um, Kyle Hendricks, who we just talked about, Carlos Martinez, mm-hmm. even Chris Archer, whose ERA last year wasn't good, but the strikeouts are there. And I think had a good a second more, half. Yeah. With a little more luck this year, I, I think, you know, he, he's a nice buy low though. I mean, he's kind of a big name, so it's not like he's going late in drafts, but the strikeouts um, are huge considering, uh, where he's going. Uh, the strikeout upside is really good. So yeah. Yeah. Carrasco to me is like right in that Masahiro Tanaka range. Yeah, somewhere somewhere fair. in like the nineteenth twentieth area. That's fair. Um, I have, and this was sort of just, it was uh, we did our bold predictions for the draft guide magazine, and I said Aaron Nola would be a top twenty starting pitcher, and I've I've held steady on that. <laughs> yeah, which I think is sort of just like it's faith more than anything else. Um, that we're gonna see something closer to the pitcher that we saw. Uh, when he was a rookie and also for most of the first half last year uh, ended up having an elbow issue um, was shut down early last year Um, but he's healthy now Um, the ERA this spring has not been great Uh, 662 ERA but he struck out 19 guys and 17 and two-thirds innings Um, we haven't heard anything about the elbow being a problem Uh, maybe top 20 is like really aggressive Um, but he's someone that's falling pretty late um, I don't have the average draft position in front of me, but he's someone you can get, you know, around 130, 150, depending on the format you play in. Um, so I think it, it's fine to take a shot on him there. You don't have to bank on him being a top 20 starter. Garrett Cole is a guy who would be on the rise for me if I, if I reworked my rankings. Where, where do you have him right now? I have him 23, but yeah. I think you're right. I think he's, yeah. I think he's with an arrow pointing up. A 1.29 ERA this spring in the Grapefruit League. Um, we know about last year, pretty mediocre stats over 116 innings, um, 98 strikeouts, 3.88 ERA, 1.44 whip. But uh, the injuries were obviously to blame. There was a forearm thing that I think became an elbow thing or were related at least. Um, but he seems healthy now. Um, I, I talked with Steven Nesbitt of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette for our Pirates team check-in this week, and he had a lot of really good things to say about the way that Garrett Cole looks, that the way that Garrett Cole's talking about how he feels. Um, if he's back, I mean, and, and you're getting him as the 24th starter overall, that's huge value. Yeah, for sure. And the velocity's been really good from what I've seen, too. So he's someone I'd target as well because I, it wasn't long ago that he was going uh, considerably higher. Um, yep. James Paxton, someone I wanted to talk about. Okay. I have him ranked 25th. Uh, and he's a guy I've been taking everywhere I possibly can. Um, but it's all about health with him. Uh, yeah. but I think if he can throw 175 innings, I would take that. And I think he can be a top 25 starting pitcher. You look at last year, he had a huge velocity spike. 
Um, had nearly a strikeout per inning, really good control. Uh, I think the ballpark's good. I think the Mariners' offense is going to be pretty good. Um, I think he's a guy you can get, you know, sort of late middle rounds as well. Um, but there's tremendous upside there. So he's someone I'm definitely targeting. Um, Aaron Sanchez, I think, is going fairly late for how good he was last year and how young he is. Um, I, I had him 27th. I think that's like right around where his, his actual ADP is right now on Yahoo, um, like the 27th starting pitcher. But, you know, he could be on the rise for, for sure. AL leader in ERA last year. If he adds some more strikeouts, that's a legitimate ace there on a on a Blue Jays team that should, again, be pretty good. Um, so a, l- a lot of potential for wins. I mean, it's not a good ballpark, but, you know, guys have had success th- there in the ERA department in recent years, you know. Yeah, I think the thing holding him back is uh, the strikeouts. Um, yeah. You'd like to see a little more from him there. And, I mean, I can't discount the possibility that he will increase the strikeout percentage. Um, but that holds him back from some of the top tier guys and just pitching in the AL, AL East is, is hard. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's young enough where we could see that progress there. Um, where do you have, uh, Lance McCullers? 41st. And I think he should be on the rise too. I I, I have no idea. Honestly, I, (laughs) I had, I had him, I had him 30th. Um, and I think that's just all, it's all about health. He's another guy where, sure. Uh, if he throws 175 innings, chances are he's going to be a top 25 starter. But um, he's had all sorts of health issues as well. So it's just one of those situations where, you, I, I mean, you can get him fairly late, middle rounds, kind of in that same area as, as James Paxton. And if you can do that, I think that's a fine uh, place to take a shot on him. Um, but yeah, it's just all about his ability to stay healthy. And he hasn't really demonstrated that that yet an ability to to throw a lot of innings um so that's something we're going to need to see i think his cleat ripped open in his last uh cactus or grapefruit league start right uh, <laughs> which is just kind of funny at least it's not um, his arm that's it, yeah right <laughs> i mean the, the elbow is, is okay or at least it has been for the last four weeks um and he's on a really good team and i like the stuff um a good, like a, a high risk, high reward, high upside kind of guy. Um, a lot like Paxton. I, I, I had them 41st and 42nd. Okay. And and to me, yeah, I mean, they're both, they're guys I would, I would probably take a chance on over maybe a guy like John Lackey, who I have right in that range, or, or Dallas Keuchel, who I have right in that range. I, I usually te- trend towards like upside mm-hmm. um, and youth, and maybe that's silly, but, you know, I, I'll, I'll also draft plenty of veterans. Um, Lance Lynn is a guy I think is worth talking about. I had him 50th, um, but he's looked pretty good this spring. Um, he's going to be 17 going on 18 months removed from Tommy John's surgery on opening day. Um, he's thrown some breaking balls this spring. I don't know if he's just tooling around with that pitch, but he's usually a guy who's like 89% fastballs, and he throws the fastball from you know at different angles with you know, different grips, but he's you know he's a fastball thrower. 3.37 career ERA and 8.7 career K per nine. And he's pitching for, you know, a hundred million dollar contract because he's going to be a 30 year old free agent starter, you know, next winter um, pitches in a good ballpark on a Cardinals team that should have improved defense and should be decent this year, at least a wild card contender. 
Um, so I think he's a pretty good value, a name that people might have forgotten about because he sat out all of last year. I think that's a good call. Um, where did you have Matt Shoemaker? I'm trying to look. I don't think I ranked him. Yeah, I had him all. I had him 38th, um, was shut down early last year. Of course, he was hit in the head by a comebacker, but fortunately he's okay. Uh, he's in Angels camp, all is well there. Um, he saw much better results last year after he relied more on his splitter, uh, really became an out pitch, a dominant pitch for him. I think he's a guy that, you know, if he can do that over a full year, I think there's there's some pretty good upside there with him uh, in a good pitcher's park. Uh, so he's someone I've been targeting kind of in the later rounds as well, especially now that we know that he's healthy and everything's fine with him. Yeah, it seems like very up and down numbers, but I, I know he's tried to change his approach. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I feel like I've been burned by him in the past, and I just don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, Robbie Ray is a guy I think that's very interesting. 218 strikeouts and 174 innings last year, but that came with a 4.90 ERA and a whip near 1.50. And you have the chase field factor, which... You know, affects a guy like Zach Greinke too, um, but I mean the strikeouts are there. If if he can get that ERA like just under four, um, you'd be pretty happy. Uh, an interesting person. I, I dropped Anthony DeSclafani off my list and, and added Garrett, Garrett Richards, mm-hmm. um, who's who looks sharp this spring. I talked with Maria Guardado of MLB.com for our Angels check-in episode of this podcast. Um, and she said he's looked good. He says he feels good. Um, so if, if, if he can stay healthy, the angels need him to, to be an ace. Um, and, and, and maybe he will be another guy dropped off is Sonny gray. And I added drew Pomeranz near the very end of my rankings because, you know, he's locked into a spot in the Red Sox rotation now. Um, and yeah, he's Pomeranz is a guy who's always posted pretty good numbers when healthy and he's on a good team. And, um, a guy worth taking a chance on if, if you're getting toward the bottom end of fantasy relevant starters. What do you think of uh, Julio Urias this year? I mean, I'm I'm real high on him. I, obviously, the stuff is great. He's 20 years old. Um, it, it's a little weird the way the Dodgers have used him, but he's a really young guy, and they don't seem to have a a plan laid out for him yet. There was talk of him making short starts to open the year to manage his workload. And now it sounds like they're going to leave him behind at extended spring training. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I, I guess I, how many innings do you think he's going to throw in the majors? It would be my question. Oh man. 140. I was thinking 140, 150 yeah. ultimately. Um, so I, I don't know if, if I get 140 innings out of, out of him, I think he's a top 40 fantasy starter. The question is, you know, drafting him right now, and you might not be able to use them for, I don't even know how long they plan to keep him in extended spring training. Or is it going to be two weeks? Is it going to be a month? Like I have no idea. Yeah, I, um, I don't either. So that's a dead roster spot, um, which makes it hard, uh, especially early in the year when we're seeing maybe some players that could be breaking out. There's like new, clo- maybe you're speculating on closer situations. Like, do you have that dead roster spot? Like, I, I think I was the lowest on him on our staff. I had him 54th. Um, which wow. I didn't, I didn't think was crazy just because 
I think you want that flexibility early in the season. You can't like put him in a DL spot. You know what I mean? So yeah, he, he is. It's definitely the the Dodgers are putting fantasy owners in a tough spot. Not that they care about fantasy owners, but it. I think yeah, the innings that he throw that he throws this year, chances are he's going to be awesome. It's just a little tricky uh, to manage your roster in the early part of the year. Blake Snell is a guy that I find myself getting a lot of shares of because he's going really late. Um, obviously control was an issue last year and it's been an issue for him but man if he takes like a step forward with with the command the strikeouts are already there um limited hard contact last year a lot of ground balls pitches in a good park um with a defense that should be pretty good i I've, i think snell is kind of a post type prospect i mean this was one of the top prospects in baseball a year ago um you're taking a lot of risk with your whip, I would say, but the strikeouts are good, and I think the ERA will be pretty good. He's probably going to walk 70 guys, but but maybe he'll strike out you know, 200. Yeah, I definitely think there's some upside with him, but yeah, the control worries me. AL East worries me a little bit. Yeah. Um, some guys who were outside my top 60 going into the spring that I've sort of been keeping an eye on, uh, Taiwan Walker with the Diamondbacks, has had a really great spring. Uh, He's a guy, that's a tough place to pitch in, but uh, we've been waiting for his breakout for a really long time, and, I mean, it could happen at any time. Uh, Shelby Miller has been throwing really hard in Diamondbacks camp. Uh, The ERA has been not pretty, but that velocity is worth watching if you want to take a chance on him in later rounds. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez with the Red Sox. You mentioned Pomeranz. Now Rodriguez locked into a spot with David Price uh, starting the season on the DL. Dylan Bundy, I didn't have in my top 60, but I think he's a guy worth watching. I think, you know, the checkered injury history, you really don't know what you're going to get. But chances are you're not going to have to uh, give up a high pick for him. Daniel Norris, uh, you mentioned Garrett Richards and Lance Lynn. Um, But yeah, I think there's some guys later on you can get uh, definitely worth keeping an eye on. The A's named Kendall Graveman their opening day starter today. You moving him out of your board? No. He just he doesn't strike out he does not strike out enough guys. I think he's a decent enough starter, and I think you can spot start him and stuff. Yeah, like he'll that. be a good he'll be a good streamer. Yeah, I think a five point two K per nine in thirty one starts last year. Yeah, his velocity is pretty decent, um, but yeah, it hasn't translated to strikeouts. But so not really a big time mixed league guy, but you know he could be all right. Could be useful sometimes. Um, and then um, you giving Marcus Stroman a bump for the way he pitched for our team USA last year or last <laughs> night? Uh, no, no, okay, <laughs> nah. Uh, yeah, he's another guy I'd like to see more strikeouts. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. Uh, but I like him. Uh, but yeah, no, that's not gonna happen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to come up with top. Let's move on to our outfielder rankings. Do it. Okay, I'm, re- I'm running out of points. Re- read off your read off your top ten. All right, my top ten is. One, Mike Trout. Two, Mookie Betts. Three, George Springer. Four, Bryce Harper. Five, A.J. Pollock. Six, Charlie Blackman. Seven, Nelson Cruz. Eight, Starling Marte. Nine, Christian Yelich. Ten, Giancarlo Stanton. Um, I did have Ian Desmond 10th, but had to drop him because of surgery to the, I think, the second metacarpal bone in his left hand. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I weighed putting Gregory Polanco in that spot. I'm pretty high on him if mm-hmm. he takes another 
step forward. I mean, he's going to be a, a monster um, for fantasy purposes. So I think the first question is you had Springer ahead of Harper. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty high on the Astros offense this year as a whole, and you've got Springer as a leadoff man with power and speed. He hasn't really flashed that speed a ton at the major league level, but he once stole 45 bases in a minor league season. That was in 2013, and he's entering his age 27 season. He said this spring that he believes he could steal 40 bases if the Astros needed him to. Um, maybe they let him run a bit more this year, or maybe that's silly to do in front of a guy like Jose Altuve, but um, I, I'm really high on Springer. I mean, the age 27 breakout, the Astros are going to win the World Series. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm riding George Springer. I have Springer sixth, so I'm not that far off from you. Um, but yeah, I, I just can't let Harper, like if we were in a first round scenario, I would not, I couldn't let him escape the first, the, the first round. Like, because we, I mean, we saw what he's capable of doing two years ago. He could easily rip off a season comparable to Mike Trout, like at at a moment's notice. Um, as as with the starters and like all of our other rankings, for the guys at the top, like I, I have a hard time differentiating. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Trout is obviously your number one, and I think Mookie Betts is a safe number two. But I mean, the difference between Springer and Harper and Pollock, and I'd even throw Blackman in there because Coors Field. Um, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't have a big differentiating point with all those guys. Yeah, I have Blackman fourth. And yeah, Coors Field has a lot to do with it. Hopefully, he'll run a bit more this year. Um, but the new the new arrival in the top ten, you could say, is Christian Yelich. Um, showed more power last season. Still hits a lot of ground balls. Uh, he's among the league leaders last year, even though he hit you know, twenty homers for the first time. Um, but he did hit the ball more often in the air last season, five uh, percent more often, which is a big deal to him at least. Um, you look at things like hard hit rate, um, and then if you separate exit velocity for fly balls and line drives only, he's among the league leaders there. So that's the kind of stuff you want to see when he hits the ball in the air, it's probably going to go pretty far and it's going to be hit pretty hard. Um, so I think we could be watching his ascent rather than someone who's going to stagnate, uh, especially cause he's still so young. I still think there's some upside with him. Yeah, a 25-year-old who just took a big offensive leap, it just screams like this dude's a baller. And when you look at um, him, you you can see that there's probably more power in him, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, he, he's been a very skinny, lanky guy for a while, and he still is, but I, I like his game so much. Um, somebody I think who's going to be maybe polarizing, maybe not, um, Kyle Schwarber. Um where where do you have him? Because I've sort of changed my mind on him since the start of camp. I had him 27th among outfielders at the start of the spring. I had I had him 23rd, and I did adjust my outfield rankings, and he's 21st now. Yeah. Um, I mean, just the idea that he's going to bat leadoff for what could be the best lineup in baseball. Exactly. I totally believe in the bat. Um, I think he's going to get on base a ton. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I don't know if you know, keeping him at leadoff the whole year is, is like that wise because I don't know, maybe he does clog up the bases a bit, but that's kind of an antiquated philosophy. Um, maybe he'll be an adventure in left field defensively, but the dude can rake. 
Well, I mean, Joe Madden's going to mix and match, you know, certain yeah. days. He's, you know, every day you're going to have to watch that lineup card. Um, but I think, you know, generally you just want your best hitters getting as many at bats as possible. And I think that's an idea I can get on board with. So, uh, Kyle Schwarber, I think I have him, I, if I could do this over again, I would probably put him inside my top 20, maybe 20th, uh, dropping, uh, you know, Ian Desmond and JD Martinez out of my top 20. I think I can find a spot for him there. I just love him being the leadoff hitter there. I hope he, I hope, I hope they stick with that, uh, plan. Yeah. Um, where did you have AJ Pollock? I had him eighth. All right. I had him fifth. So that, that seems pretty high, I guess. Um, I don't like, I, I don't know. I, he's healthy this spring, at least I mean, he's had some minor injuries along the way in, in the cactus league. But you look at his 2015, 39 stolen bases, 20 home runs, um, and, and, you know, playing in one of the, the most offensive friendly parks in the majors. I think you can hang your hat on the, the idea that he's going to steal a lot of bases. Um, and then I think you're going to, you're going to get 20 home runs if he gives you a full season and you know, that hit the injury was kind of a freak thing. You know, it was, what was it? A fractured elbow. Um, it wasn't like a ligament damage thing. He did have a strained groin, I believe at the end of the year last year. Mm -hmm. Um, but man, there's, there's just so much offensive potential there. He was one of the best players in baseball in 2015, high contact rate type guy at the top of a lineup that is pretty dangerous. Um, I think he's going to be racking up counting stats all year if he can stay healthy. And I don't really have any reason to think that he won't stay healthy. Yeah. I think I just took him in our mock draft that we're doing. I think oh, yeah. I took him yesterday, uh, as my second outfielder. I can't remember cause I'm doing like two, two slow drafts at the same time right now, but I'm pretty sure I took him as my second outfielder in that league after Springer. I think I took Springer and then Pollock like back to back, something like that. Uh, so I am definitely high on him based on what we saw a couple of years ago. Gives that power speed and a great ballpark. Uh, probably going to hit. I, I'm not sure exactly, but he's hit you know lead off second in that lineup. So great, great situation to be in. So yeah, I, I'm digging it. Um, somebody, you, you you got him 39th overall in that draft. I just okay. looked it up. I mean, um, his ADP is 39. There you go. There, there you go. Um. Somebody from the this is another draft guide bold prediction that I had. Uh, I said Byron Buxton was going to break out as the top twenty five outfielder this year, and uh, I mean it's a bold prediction, so you never know yeah. how these things go. I did put Byron Buxton twenty fifth in our rankings, and I just loved what I saw last September. And I know you have to take September numbers with a grain of salt sometimes, but uh, hit two eighty seven with nine homers, had seventeen extra base hits that month. Um, over the final month of the season, 29 games. Keep in mind, he had only three home runs over his previous 109 games in the majors. Uh, so to see that power surge was really encouraging, regardless of you know whether it was September or not. Um, now, strikeouts, still a major issue with him. Um, so can he find a spot at the top of the order? I think that's something that's unsettled. Um, but you look at the speed that he offers as well, the prospect pedigree, only 23 years old. Um, and he's someone you can get pretty late too, mid to late rounds. He's someone I'm willing to take a chance on. And another guy, you're not banking on him to be a top 25 outfielder, but I think the pieces are there for it to be possible. Yeah. I mean, top 25 outfielder is, means big time. Yeah. Um, These but, things but, happen though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, 
if you're going to bet on someone to do it, to, to make that leap, he has the talent to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin Kiermeyer is a guy who I had 48 um, in our initial rankings, but I think I would move him up. Um, I, I just look, taking a look back at him, a really complete player. Obviously we know all about the defense. You saw a big spike in on base percentage last year. And I think it's for real. Um, 12 homers, 21 stolen bases in 105 games. That's over only 366 at bats. Um, so he was putting up counting stats over, a you know, I mean, you, you stretch those numbers out to 162 game season. We're talking about a 20 homer, 35 steal kind of guy. Um, he also was caught stealing only three times, a smart, efficient, fast kind of guy. Um, really good athlete, obviously. Um, I, I would probably be moving him up. I just think he's a really complete player. Another guy who's been moving up draft boards, Keon Broxton with the Brewers, yeah. has had he's a, going really early, man. Has had a really good spring as well. Uh, he's a guy who last year struck out, and I believe it was thirty six percent of his plate appearances, which is ridiculous. Um, but he was much better as the year moved along, made an adjustment with his batting stance. Uh, and he's one of my favorite sleepers this year. Uh, the power and speed that he brings also has patience at the plate. So chances are he's going to stick, you know, at the top of the order. Uh, and the Brewers love to run. So I think there's a lot of upside with him as well. I had him, I had him ranked 30th among outfielders at the start of spring training. I think I'm willing to, to stay pretty steady with that 30th. I, um, I added Carlos Beltran to the edge of my rankings, like just having dropped a few guys. Because of and his also, beard? <laughs> yeah, because of his blonde <laughs> beard. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, again, I'm, I'm on the Astros train. I don't know if he's going to play, you know, more than 120 games. Um, he's turning 40 in April, so I'm sure they're going to be very careful about his workload. Um, but, you know, he's he's like a very solid you know, mid, mid 800 OPS, 20 home run type guy, you know, depending on where he bats in the lineup, he could be a really good RBI man. Um, I also added Gerard Dyson, you know, just, just having to add two, two guys as I drop some other people. I, I like the speed and you know, he, he's finally going to get a lot of playing time in Seattle. It looks like. Um, so th- those are two guys that I, I've kind of had rising for different reasons. Where did you have Andrew Benintendi? 40th all right i had 35th and i think if you're if you're waiting that long you're probably not going to get him but that's no you're not yeah i think that's fine like i'm sort of i I like him i'm high on him but you know he hasn't really played much in the majors um and i'm not sure like he's probably one of those guys that that might be more valuable uh in real life than fantasy i think ryan boyer said this a couple of weeks ago he's a guy like may not stand out in any one category. Like he's not going to be a big power guy, not going to be a big speed guy, but he's going to contribute in every category and he's in a really good lineup. Um, But he also might sit against left-handers. So you have to think about that too. Um, So I'm not, I'm not willing to put him inside like my top 30 outfielders or anything like that yet. And that's sort of where he's being drafted right now. Yeah. I really like him as a player. I'm just, I don't, I think there's like a, kind of a cap to his counting stats at this point in his career i think maybe next year we're going to be talking about him as a you know top 30 top 25 type guy yeah um where did you have michael brantley at the start of the spring i had him 55th okay i had him 59th 
and I guess I would move him up, um, but I don't know how far. Yeah, he might be. I think he's probably on the cusp of like top fifty, something like that. I think sounds fair. Because um, I had like I had Kevin Kiermaier forty third, Jorge Soler forty fourth. Like Soler has had a bad spring and comes with all sorts of questions uh, after after the past couple of years with the Cubs. Um, so sort of in that general area, I think is probably pretty fair. Um, but I'm I'm encouraged with what I'm hearing right now. But he's a guy who. You know, you're probably going to have to stick in a DL spot, which isn't the worst thing um, to wait on him a little bit. But uh, he's a guy you can get late and has that past production, um, you know, the resume uh, that I think it could be worth taking a shot on him. You try not to put too much stock in the spring training numbers, but I was really hoping we'd see something from Soler in the Cactus League. I, I think he's hitting like... 150 with a OPS around 400. Yeah, it's been this bad. Spring over like a considerable amount of at bats. Like he's he's nearing 55 plate appearances. I think Solaire's a guy I've tried to draft everywhere too because I'm just like, oh, the Royals are going to play him every day. But like, if he stinks, who knows? You know, yeah. um, a guy who's moved up due to injury, uh, David Dahl's injury, uh, Gerardo Parra. I think he's a guy you could get late, uh, and we've seen. Uh, you know, modest power speed from him in the past gets to play half his games in Coors Field probably for the first month of the season. Uh, so if you're looking for a stopgap kind of guy, uh, I think he makes a lot of sense. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, another guy I considered adding was Manuel Margot, who we've talked. To, I think we talked about him last week for a bit. Um, one of those players, if he does, you know, start start the year in the majors, which is you know an uncertainty at this point, but is a possibility. Um, of someone who could be like a lock for something like 30 stolen bases. I don't know if he's really ready yet uh, to be like a complete hitter, but um, a, a big time talent. Yeah. Um, anything else? I think I've run out of things to say. <laughs> okay. No, that's, Bye. that's good. I think that's yeah. pretty complete. Um, so yeah, that will do it for this week. Um, if you like what you're hearing with these episodes, not only with this episode, but our team check-in episodes, Remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you listen on iTunes, remember to rate and review. It'll help more people find the show, and we would really appreciate it. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can email rotoworldbaseballpod at gmail.com. Again, the email address is rotoworldbaseballpod at gmail.com. And as the season gets rolling, you know, we're going to want your fantasy questions. We're going to read them on the air. So uh, feel free to get in touch with us there. You can follow me on Twitter at DJ Short. Drew is at Drew Silve on Twitter, and we'll see you next time. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.